The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bucket Plan On Demand. This is Dave Allison, joined by Jason Smith. We appreciate you jumping on today's podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about designing your client's bucket plan. And so, Jason, uh, I'd love for you to share your perspective, uh, kind of your history on designing bucket plans. How did it all start for you? So my earliest recollection, Dave, was... Um, <laughs> Um, so first of all, um, I really like the idea of doing it up on a uh, panel board. It's like a dry erase board that you can print what's up on the board, but you can actually use real markers different than a, than a smart board. But anyways, I just like the idea. Even before that, I always had dry erase boards up there. Um, I like the, and before that, I was a notepad presenter. I was always explaining everything on notepads. But, um, but I like the idea of that concept of kind of almost like uh, teacher-student standing up and interactively designing with them. So um, what I had always done is I'd have all their, I, I always did these binders, which you know, they're, we call them today the family estate organizer, but it's basically a three-ring binder to get all the assets on the table because I give them a checklist of everything to put in there and it's everything important that goes in there. So once I had all those assets, I'd kind of print them all out, you know, look at them there and that interactively with them, I'd talk through these different assets and based on what the purpose of the money is, the time horizon when they need it, what their, you know, what their income need was, uh, asking about their emergency fund, et cetera, I would draw it up on the board. And it was actually not buckets, it was boxes. And so I would draw boxes up on the board and then above those boxes, I put it, I total up everything in the box, put a dollar sign above the box. And then I remember one time I'd done this. So I walked through the process, kind of designed their first bucket, had their emergency funds, land expenses, designed their second bucket, which was the money they said they wanted to be more conservative from, they were going to draw income from, and the rest of the money was out in their later bucket, which was primarily their stocks and their more growth stuff. And so I had drawn them all out into the three boxes and I had the dollar signs above the boxes. And then as I was explaining it, I remember circling the dollar signs above the boxes. And then uh, the client that was sitting there said, hey, th those actually look like buckets. I'm like, yeah, they are, yeah, buckets. But that was kind of like the first memory I have of like, were boxes turned into buckets, but but I really do love the idea of the interactive design. Now, one of the things, though, is until you get good at it and you have all the information you need and you've kind of pre-planned it in your own head or systematically, like we have the bucket plan design tool, don't just wing it and go up there and start. Uh, so you quick starts on the Colby on, on the podcast. Don't go out there and just start winging it and drawing bucket plans with your clients because you actually want to be prepared. You, you got to know the key is really that middle bucket, the one that takes the most. Now, you have to know what that income gap is. And to do it accurately, you actually really need to know what their tax ramifications are going to be so you can gross up the money in that middle bucket. 
Yeah, it's funny, you know, we've had the opportunity to train thousands of advisors now on the bucket plan. And eight years ago, when we, we were first training advisors, we used to you know, try to right out of the gate, teach them to design the client's bucket plan interactively with them. And we just got that kind of feedback loop that it takes a while. I remember one advisor came through the training and said, uh, I feel like I'm bucket planning without a license right now because he hadn't been through kind of all the, the due diligence up front, right? We, we think it almost sounds so easy. We know what the client's money is. We walk up to the dry erase board. We just start drawing money inside the buckets, but there's certainly uh, as much of a science as there is an art to, uh, to drawing the bucket. There's a lot of curveballs. Like a curveball is one I just mentioned is you actually, you know, you really need to figure out what the income tax liability is going to be on the money that you're drawing out for income for that client. So that's something you may not have thought about. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're up there designing and the client's like, what about taxes? And you got the deer in the headlight look. Another curveball can be like Social Security or Medicare. So if you're doing Social Security optimization and you're delaying one of their Social Securities, the second one, the high income earner, for example, um, if you're delaying one of those, well, how do you build those into the buckets? And you don't want to be on the spot and trying to figure that out. Or even Medicare, sometimes one of the spouses is not yet 65. And so where exactly does that fit into the overall bucket? Absolutely. And I think the, a really powerful concept or idea, if you haven't kind of mastered bucket planning and designing the bucket plan, is using the bucket plan visual, right? Just the concept of bucketing to deliver your recommendations, but you package your recommendations behind the scenes. I, I remember uh, I was talking with one of our advisors, Marty James, one time, and he said, the thing I love about the bucket plan is it helps me put a package deliverable in front of my clients of some of the different ideas and recommendations, whether it's just the investments in the now, soon, and later, or it's things like social security optimization or certain tax planning techniques. But again, there's a lot of value as you're getting going to designing all of that behind the scenes and, and then producing the deliverable to the client versus trying to kind of wing it and do it in front of the client until you've got a number of them under your belt and you feel good about what you're doing. Yep. So, you know, as we're designing the bucket plan and when you're seeing the visual, there's boxes, there's check boxes under each of the buckets. So the first one, you know, there's three potential components that would make up the now bucket when you're designing the now bucket. So one component is um, planned expenses, right? So this is asking them if they have any large planned expenses on the horizon in the next couple of years that we need to plan for. They're gonna need a chunk of money basically. So you wanna get that out of the way first and we wanna set that money aside in the now bucket, the first bucket, it's three bucket approach. So the soon and the later bucket, that money's gonna be invested. The now bucket is typically money in the bank. And so we're gonna set that money aside because we know we're gonna spend it for a planned expense. So what's the purpose of trying to invest it with a short time horizon? And then all of a sudden the account balance goes down and you got egg on your face because your client is having to pull it out and they've lost money. So let's not worry about trying to make money on that as advisors or to invest it um, over when it's that short of a time horizon of a couple of years. The second component 
to that is income. Now, it, when I say income, I'm talking about somebody who's already retired or is who about is about to retire in the next 12 months. If they're not already retired and have an income gap, and they're not gonna and or they're not gonna retire in the next 12 months and have an income gap, then the the income box does not get checked, meaning that you don't need to put any income in the now bucket because we're still gonna have the third component, which is an emergency or comfort fund, right? We used to just call it an emergency fund and then you know, got some feedback that you know, some people like to refer that as a comfort fund. And, and I get that, right? It isn't always about emergencies, it's also about so you can put your head on the pillow at night and sleep soundly because you know that money's there. That's what a comfort fund is. And so really those three components we have planned expenses, we have income, only if they're gonna to need to draw income off liquid investable assets. And then thirdly, we have our emergency or comfort fund, that's our now bucket. So the soon bucket then is really any money they may need or will need sooner rather than later. So kind of going with that theme, Jason, inside the bucket, we, we generally use the word you know conservative and income in the soon bucket, but Underneath it, there's a couple check boxes for the advisor to be able to reference if they're designing the bucket plan for the client as well. So the first kind of checkbox there says income or withdrawals. And so if somebody's nearing retirement or already in retirement, this might be that income stream that's going to last them through the first phase of their retirement. If they're a ways away from retirement, it just might be a sum of money that they may need or will need to take withdrawals from. It could be like to potentially put a down payment on a home or buy a vacation home in the next several years or potentially college funding for children where they're gonna need to take money out to help supplement tuition costs. Um, and so that's kind of any of the, the catch-alls in that income or withdrawal for the student bucket. And then underneath that, it says inflation hedge. Because again, if somebody's getting ready to retire and we're taking care of their income stream for the first phase of retirement through that income checkbox, we wanna make sure we're properly accounting for an inflation hedge so that as the cost of living increases over time, their income can increase as well. And then last but not least, that leaves us with the third bucket of money, the later bucket. You know what, Dave, and if you think about it, like the now bucket is cut and dry. It was the three things that we talked about. Two, pretty much always there, emergency slash comfort fund and planned expenses, usually there. The third sometimes is, sometimes isn't. But it's, it's kind of very algorithmic, very formula, very cut and dry, not a lot of variances. The later bucket is just all the rest of the money, right? After right. you filled the now and the soon, the later bucket is simply the rest of their money. It's really that middle bucket, though, that can get tricky. And there's a lot of one-offs, right? And we referenced it at the beginning. So let's kind of talk about the one-offs. Like, let's talk about, Dave, tell them about how we'll build a Social Security bridge and exactly what situation we're going to build a Social Security bridge into the soon bucket. Yeah, that's a great point. So, I mean, the Social Security bridge can really be uh, effectively communicated within the soon bucket. And an example of that would be, you know, let's say we have a client that we have the ability to defer uh, one of the two social securities till age 70, right? 
And so we're going to defer till 70, which is going to produce a much higher payout for that client once they achieve age 70. But they're still five years away from being age 70 and they're retiring. And let's say that the social security benefit that they're giving up today as a trade-off to defer till age 70 is 20 grand a year for easy math sake. And so 20 grand a year, they're not going to get of their social security because they're electing to defer, but we still need to account for that 20 grand for income. And to be clear, because this is where it always gets tricky, the 20 grand that Dave's referring to is the amount that you will get at age 70, right? Because when you factor in the calculations, you're factoring in how much are you going to get once you're 70. So you're forfeiting 20 grand a technically you're forfeiting less than that because 20 grand a year is the amount you'll get at age seven. It's a great point. Yep. So you have your, your amount there. And again, as I mentioned, you have five years until you're going to get there. So you simply take the 20 grand times the five years means we need to have a hundred thousand dollars allocated in the soon bucket. And when we put that in from a design perspective in the soon bucket, we simply just label it social security bridge, $100,000. And the clients get that. Oh, okay, I'm gonna take 20 grand a year out for five years, then I'm gonna be 70, and then my social security income kicks on up 20 right. grand a year for the rest of my life. And it's like, it's a simple way to do it using common sense. Because if you think about it, be like, hey client, your benefit right now would be 15 grand a year, let's say, right? We're saying forego the 15 because it's going to be 20 grand a year in five years from now. And what are they going to say to you? Well, okay, but what about that 20 grand? Where am I going to get it? Well, we're going to create a social security bridge account and then build that 20,000 times five years, 100 grand into the plan. Now that same logic can be applied to like a Medicare bridge. So let's say you have a client and this just recently happened to me. They wanted to retire early at age 60, but they weren't going to be able to kick on Medicare benefits until 65. So we had a five-year period where they were going to have higher health ex uh, insurance expenses. And so they shopped around and we figured out that let's call it 10 grand, right? For easy math sake, they were going to need 10 grand. And so we can take that 10 grand times the five years to get them to Medicare and put that in the soon bucket as a Medicare bridge. And so those are some of the unique things that you could be doing kind of within the soon bucket to generate bridges and solve for those unequal cash flows, right? Because maybe their health expenses is higher at 60, but then it's gonna lower at 65. So there's a net difference that you need to factor for a Medicare bridge. Same thing as if they were gonna take social security at 70 instead of 66 there's a net difference that you could just put as a bridge right in that soon bucket. And so one of the things to think about too, this is a common area of confusion, is that in the example I gave about a social security bridge and where it's 15 grand is how much they're gonna get now, but at 70, they're gonna be 20 grand a year. You're building the plan as if they've gotten the 20 grand a year, but you have to make up for that gap of the five years, i.e. the the hundred thousand dollars we're talking about some people will say well wait the gap's only 15 grand well that's assuming that they're just going to live off five grand less but you figured out how much they need in total counting social security 
And then you're working your way backwards saying, wait, let's do social security optimization. Let's delay five years. That makes best sense from a financial planning perspective to guarantee the higher income for as long as either spouse lives. But what we're going to create there is there's 20 grand that we're not going to get for five years. So we have to backfill the soon bucket to create that five years worth of a bridge inside the soon bucket. Absolutely. The other area of the soon bucket that can be a little tricky at times is when you have younger clients who don't really have an income gap, right? They're a long ways out from retirement. And so that soon bucket turns to just a certain amount of money they want, they may want invested more conservatively or potentially an opportunity fund. And you just ask the client, you, you educate them on volatility of investments, right? The more volatility, the more expected return over longer periods of time. The less volatility, the less expected return, right? Just like your bank account doesn't have volatility, but not a lot of expected return. If you invested in an S&P 500 index fund, certainly more volatility, more higher expected return. And so there's clients out there that as they're thinking about their buckets and they're younger, there's just a certain portion of the money they just might want invested more conservatively, not experiencing that volatility. And I just had two clients uh, this week, actually, um, uh, the father is a client of mine. They just inherited some money and each kid just got a quarter million dollars. They're like 25 and 27. And so he asked if I would take them through and build their bucket plans. And so we set the now bucket. Is there emergency fund? Any planned expenses that they had, which was some of the estimated tax they were going to have to pay. Their soon bucket, we got to there and I simply just said, you know, is there a certain amount of money that you would just want invested more conservatively, right? It's going to focus more on growth than your now bucket, the money in the bank, but it's just not going to have the same volatility characteristics as your later bucket or your retirement accounts. And it was interesting. I did the meetings independently with both kids, their brothers, very close to age, and they both said, yeah, 100000 is what they wanted in their soon bucket. And so that gave me the ability to then start to design the right recommendations in those buckets. And in our case, Jason, we utilize something called a volatility tolerance analysis. That's kind of the secondary layer, right? Once we sketch out the amount of money that goes into each bucket, we score and we did a different podcast on this. I'd recommend going back and listening to it if you want more information, but we score the spoon bucket with the amount of kind of risk or volatility the, uh, the client is comfortable with. Separately, then we score the later bucket. And that kind of gives us a, a, a risk category of each of those buckets to help us determine as advisors what investment strategies might be most suitable to meet the needs of the client and the expectations of the client in the soon and later bucket. Yeah, and one of the things too, um, just thinking about kind of as we're as we're wrapping up the design of the bucket plan is for the most part what we're trying to do if you're working with a husband and wife you want to use the pre-tax tax qualified money in the soon bucket for income that's a general rule of thumb now it depends on how advanced your tax planning capabilities are you know, as to whether you might want to blend out income, but a general meaning part tax qualified, part non-qualified or Roth, but as a general rule, we're using tax qualified pre-tax 
kind of the bad money, right, that you're in a partnership with the federal government on, um, we're using that for income because as we all know, when one spouse passes away, income taxes go up and income typically goes down. So how do we guard against that? We diffuse that tax liability in the soon bucket so we can leave more money in the later bucket, more of the good money, the post-tax money, the Roth money, for the surviving spouse to have less tax liability, even potentially for the uh, beneficiaries, the kids to have less tax liability. So that's a general rule of thumb. Now every scenario is different with every client, but I think that's one of the things to think about. Also, if you're doing life insurance or asset-based long-term care as part of your planning, it's nice because it gives you more flexibility when you have the non-qualified money out in the later bucket because it opens up the door for more financial vehicles to solve problems without the tax ramifications that you're going to have of trying to do that same type of planning on tax qualified money. Absolutely. And so as part of this bucket plan on demand series, we also have a white paper on designing the bucket plan. You'll get to see some of the tools that, uh, that we use to help get to that design point. And last but not least, there's the webinar on designing the bucket plan, where we'll show, again, a little bit more in-depth uh, scenarios, case studies, and examples of how to go about designing the bucket plan for your clients. We appreciate you jumping on this podcast, this uh, version of the Bucket Plan On Demand, and we will see you next time. Thanks. The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit clarity2prosperity.com.